This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I am back in the host seat this week. And I'm joined by David Hughes for the first time in a while. Um, Dave, how are you getting on, mate? Where have you been? <laughs> I'm good, mate, yeah. Um, where have I been? Just very busy. Um, obviously, I, I, I'm working a little bit more on the national side of things uh, with the mirrors, so it's a little bit more difficult for me to jump over um, and jump on the show as you know, it, it, obviously it was every week at one stage, wasn't it? But been a little bit tougher recently. That being said, uh, opportunity today and there will still be opportunities to come on in the future. So happy days. Good to be back. Well, I did say to listeners last week that I think the plan initially is going to be the first episode of every month is, is going to be the plan. And around that, Guy Clark is getting used to being more of a starter. Hmm. Um, solid performance so far from Guy, but... It's good to have uh, Firmino back, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we're doing him a disservice there, but yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so, yeah, we have we have a fair bit to talk about, I suppose, regarding the new season. Uh, this is timed relatively nicely, I suppose, considering Liverpool kick off the new campaign on the weekend against Fulham. Uh, I can't really remember what we last spoke about when we were both on the pod. Um, but considering the new season is here, I think this episode is going to be a bit more of an informal chat slash predictions type thing about what to expect in the upcoming season and um, all that sort of stuff. But I think before we before we get into it, we'll just give another shout towards um, our FPL league that we set up last week. I can't believe how many people have entered the league on the back of one shout last I mean, week. I but I've now, actually. I've gone from confident to now thinking that I won't even get any of the top ten because there's there's at least at least two hundred and fifty people in the league already. Um, and it, considering that there's always those players, isn't there, who just finish like top five hundred and you know these elite managers. There's got to be a few of them in there, but I'm in. Guy Clark is in. Christian Walsh, uh, OG of the show, long term listeners will be aware of. He's also in. Um, one or two of the um, people behind the scenes are in. And Dave is now in as well. Mm. Although it's still saying a uh, pending moderation for me. That's the name of the league, I think. That's oh. just... <laughs> so I think uh, I think that will get confirmed on the after the first week. Fine. You know what I mean? Okay. I think well, it's yeah. uh... I am in, yeah. Um look how many players there is. I know I'm looking now. Jeez. Wow. Okay. What, good. what chance have, have we got against the rest of the country, basically? Well, <laughs> whatever your chance is, half, half it, and that'll be mine. <laughs> well, oh, listen, wow. it's going to be interesting anyway to play against listeners every week. And hmm. um, if you do want to want to get involved, still, the opportunity is still there. Um, I haven't got the code off hand right now, but you can get that last week, or you can message me on Twitter or whatever. Um, but yeah, do still get involved. We got a few, a bit of an opportunity to still do that. But anyway, stick to the football. Before we talk about predictions for the season, 
going through champions top four and all that. Uh, I'll just get your your quick thoughts on on the charity shield. I'm assuming you've seen it. Um, thoughts on how Liverpool looked in comparison to City? Good. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna admit, I expected. Actually, no, that's not fair. I didn't expect the City win. Obviously, they come in. They come into the game only two games uh, in pre pre season, which is weird. Uh, what? Sorry, which is very weird. Two games. Yeah, I yeah, thought. yeah, yeah. Very strange because now they've had what three games and they're going into the Premier League campaign. But that being said, I still thought um, they'd maybe be slight favourites, but had me eye wiped. Uh, I thought. You know, although it was as typically as the case, it can, it can be quite tight games. Um, I think from a Liverpool point of view, point of view, you're very satisfied. And I know it's uh, not not a major trophy, but it it definitely does kind of set a market. I think, especially between the two sides who are going to be competing for for all the trophies. You know, including obviously the big one, which is the Premier League. I think it's it does give a slight psychological edge, um, and it was just a really good result for Liverpool. Yeah, City looked quite off it, I thought. Uh, I, th- I thought Grealish was miles off. I thought De Bruyne was miles off. What he usually is. Uh, obviously, Haaland hit the bar from two yards out, which is <laughs> great for Liverpool, uh, respectively. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out as we start the season, because City's first game is tough. But, yeah, looking at the, the season then, mate, we, we'll go just play-by-play, play, I suppose, looking at different categories, but... First of all, I'm just going to go straight out there and say the champions of the Premier League at the end of the season for you are... <laughs> hmm. You teed me up there to bash it out, but I think it's... Um, <laughs> I think it's really hard. Inevitably, I've kind of leaned towards City again. Um, just because I, I think over the 38 games, they maybe just have a little bit more depth across the squad. Maybe not so much in attack, but across the squad. But honestly, 12 months ago, I was more confident in predicting City this year. I'm not. I think Liverpool have got the potential to, to do it this year. Um, I mean, such a stupid statement when they missed out on by such fine margins last season. But I don't know. I just like the way... I, don't, I like the Liverpool squad this season. I like how they've kind of seamlessly adapted uh, and evolved the attack. Uh, I think there's there's some really good plays behind the attack as well. I know there's constant talk about another midfielder, but I think if you go across that whole squad, it looks really strong. So if it's possible, I think the margins are going to be even smaller this year. So we talk about a coin toss, Josh. I'm probably going with, it could be a coin toss, really. I'll go with City, but very little in it. I'm exactly the same, but my slight edge is towards Liverpool this time. Okay. Um, I think last season I said City, so that's kind of evidence, I suppose, that I'm not biased. I don't think I am anyway. But I think if you look at the Liverpool side at the minute, I do think Liverpool have a lot going for them right now. I think Liverpool have two players across every position. Um, real good depth and options in attack, goal scorers in attack now and... Uh, if you if you look at City, like one thing people aren't really noticing at the minute, City have two fullbacks on their books, just two in, in Kyle Walker and Joe Cancelo. That that's it. They've just sold um, Zinchenko, of course, and Gugardella seems on his way to Chelsea. 
and they haven't yet replaced him with a right back and it with a left back and the replacement right back for Walker is Cancelo. So uh, it's a little bit messy for City in that sense. Mm-hmm. Um Laporte's missing the first month of the season. They've only had two friendlies plus a charity shield game. Um and you can make five subs this season in, in games. So and considering how Liverpool looked against City in the charity shield, although it's it's a one off game, City might not be ready yet and things. Liverpool just did look that bit more I don't know, hungrier maybe if it is the word, I'm not sure. Maybe it could have been a case of because Liverpool haven't won the Charity Shield in previous years. City have. But I just think going into the season, considering Liverpool missed out on it by a point last year, what went the last time that happened? Liverpool went and won it the following year. And I think City, especially with Haaland now, might dedicate a little bit more of their energy towards winning the Champions League, which I think they absolutely could do this season. Uh, but looking at the Premier League, I still think it's probably out of two teams. But my, I would lean slightly more towards Liverpool than they have in previous years now. Mm. I think the Champions League thing is a massive point because we've known for so long that they actually want to win it. But it's quite telling that you, you, you see players within the squad, especially new arrivals, kind of really talking about it. Um, I remember Jack Grealish talking about it. You know, he was saying that the Premier League was the big one for him. Although he was aware it was probably the Champions League for, for Manchester City as a club. And then Calvin Phillips had an interview recently where he, he basically said the same. You know, he was asked what he what what's kind of the, the big goal this season. He's, he said, you know, personally, I want to win the, the Premier League. But I know Manchester City, the club, really want the Champions League. And I just feel after so many, you know, nearly moments for City over the last two or three years in the competition... Do, will they prioritise trying to, you know, in those latter stages, win those matches at the expense of Premier League games? And and when, at the moment, the, the difference between Liverpool and City is you know, one or two points, could that be decisive in the title race? Or, you know, alternatively, a slow start to the season? Say, like you were just saying there, they, they're going into the campaign quite undercooked. You know, if they're to drop points over the next few weeks... Again, you know, could that be decisive come the end of the season? Possibly. So I think there's definitely a lot more for Liverpool to look to uh, in terms of favourable things for them this year. I just think if you, if you look at Haaland's signature, I think I'm not sure how much of a difference he makes for City in, in the league, considering they've already been getting beyond 90 points pretty much every season under Guardiola. I think Haaland is more of a man to basically solve what happened against Real Madrid in the Champions League last season. I think he puts those games to bed a bit more um in, in a bit more of a clinical way than, than the likes of maybe Mares Wood or Foden or Grealish or, or, or somebody like that. I think he's a bit more of a moments man, Haaland. And I suppose you kind of need that a bit more in knockout tournaments than you do over a thirty eight game season. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't put I would probably say this is more of a stronger chance that City have for the Champions League than ever before. Um, and the Premier League, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool put a bit more energy into that compared to previous years, but I'm not sure. But in in terms of um, top four then, mate, who, who are you saying? So we've, we've already got two, haven't we? And, and we just don't yeah. know the order. Um, I'm actually going with, I, I think this is, no, it isn't a different top four, but... I'm going to go with, in third place, Tottenham. 
Um, fourth place, Arsenal. And I'm actually having Chelsea fall out the top four and Man United not make the top four again. I am the same. Not really? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it's... Chelsea had a really difficult one this season, aren't they? To, especially mm. in, in this position right now to, to nail. I mean, he seems to be getting linked with everybody under the sun. Uh, the two players they have got in are good players, obviously. Raheem Sterling's a great signing. And Khalidou Koulibaly has been certainly been around the block. We know what to expect from Why are Napoli letting him go now? Why are Chelsea buying him now, aged 31, I think he might be? You know, we'll see. And they're getting linked with Cucurella as well, Frankie de Jong, you know, absolutely everybody. If they end up getting some of these top players, then maybe opinions will change. But as of right now, as of right now, it, it could really go quite wrong. And knowing what Thomas Sukel is like based on his career, he could be fallings out there and all that sort of stuff. So Ch- Chelsea just look a lot less stable than, than Arsenal, I think, at the minute. And Arsenal after going really close last season, have strengthened, bought in a few good players, haven't really lost any anyone off the top of my head. So, yeah, I would I would put a bit more faith in Arsenal, I think, this season. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. I, uh, I've got a feeling Tuchel doesn't see the, the end of the season, you know. I've just... Yeah, well, uh, it's, that, that's a slight, a slight thought I'm having as well, but... I don't want to commit to it. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I've just, I, I just feel like you're seeing parallels of maybe his time, uh, you know, the, the near the end of Dortmund, near the end of PSG. Um, I, yeah, I think that there's obviously been a lot of upheaval at Chelsea over the last six months, so it's not been easy. But the thing is, as well, if if like he's moaning about his players, which. Yeah. Every manager seems to do towards the end, doesn't he? Every coach towards the end of his tenure starts to look at his own players and basically think these aren't good enough mm. compared to when he first take charge where they're like, these players are elite. But if you actually look at his team from Chelsea's last friendly, this is Chelsea's team from his last friendly, right? Mendy, Koulibaly, Silva, Azpilicueta, Alonso, Kante, Jorginho, James... Mount Havert Sterling. Like that, that's a ridiculous side. Mm. That, that's yeah. a, that's an extremely strong elite team full of mm. experienced pros. Very few players in that team are still learning the trade. And um, you know, if he starts to look at that in a negative light, I suppose that's just his own problem. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I know he's talked about. I understand where he's with... coming from, obviously. Yeah. I think he's talked before, hasn't he, about issues with uh, players who want to leave. I guess he was talking about Rudiger. Aspilicueta, I think, wants to go to Barcelona. So he's talking about these players who want out. But I don't know. It, it, it does feel like... It, and I thought that was a really bad result against Arsenal. I know it was only pre-season, but 4-0. It, it didn't look great there. Yeah. Um, and I just think the recruitment's a bit... You touched on it earlier, but the recruitment is very strange. Like... Apparently they want Denzel Dumfries from from Inter when you've when you've already got Reese James who was well that that would suggest to me that Reese James is going to be the right sided centre half and I think if, if, if that's going to happen hmm. I think if that's going to happen that's real that's a real waste of what he can do in the final third well that's it I, 
if you actually compare the two, you know, if, even if someone was listening now and they wanted to and they just went with FB ref, for example, um, and just compared Dumfries to James, right wing backs last season. Obviously, it's, it's different sides, you know, different in, like intricacies in play, which obviously impacts the numbers. But James looks by far a better player and he's younger. It just, it would make no sense. I, I think you'd miss something if you're not having him, you know, going forwards, which he wouldn't be able to as much as a, as a right-sided centre-back. So, um, yeah, they just don't seem like a, a kind of well-oiled mas- machine going into the new season. They just don't seem happy. I think that's probably the best way of putting it. Um, and if you look at Arsenal, as I said, you know, Arsenal just look ready. They look like they're maturing. They look like they're improving. Um, and after missing out last season, they, they, I think they'll go... They'll probably go again and have that kind of fire where they, they really want to do it this season. So um, I'm actually interested to see Arsenal this season because they have made a few good signings and got a few players back from loan and things like that. Hmm. But in wait, terms of... Uh, wait, go on. Wait, wait, we have to talk about United, surely. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah before we move on. <laughs> um, what what are your general thoughts so far of, of United? So, so far, I am... Um, Impressed with Ten Hag, yeah. I think he's doing well. I like what he's saying. I like the decisions he's making. I like how he's treating Ronaldo. But Ronaldo is going to be a huge problem for them because he can't get rid of him, oh. and he is not the super sub that he could be. He wants to be the guy, and if you're going to be the guy, he doesn't defend. So how do you incorporate him? In a system that is total football, everyone's an attacker, everyone's a defender, we press as a unit. I, I, I don't see how they come out of that. Um, with a, They can develop, of course, but in terms of having a good season while you're developing, I can just see it just causing issues if, if they keep him around. But in terms of Ten Hag, I, I will give him credit. He looks like he's a top coach to me. Yeah, I've um I've watched most of their preseason games and I agree they've looked much better. I think players who previously struggled, you know, Martial, Rashford, Sancho, they look like they're gonna have better campaigns. But the Ronaldo thing is a big issue. And it's not just that, but if you actually look at their attack uh and compare it to basically most of the top six rivals, the the it, it looks really, really poor. Um yeah. yeah, especially if you if you then include Ronaldo in it, you know they're, they're basically going to have to carry a man without the ball. Um, it won't work. I don't think he's even stretches kind of defenses enough either. So he's he's not giving you much on the ball either. He's just basically there to score goals, and um, that, mean, that only gets you so far. Last season, I know it was a, it was a terrible campaign by the end, but last season United scored fifty seven goals. That was. Fewer than West Ham, mm. fewer than Leicester, um, fewer than Arsenal, fewer than Spurs, fewer than Chelsea, fewer than Liverpool, fewer than City. And they haven't really, unless I'm missing someone, they haven't really added any forward players apart from uh, Martial back from loan. Am I missing someone? No, no, no. I'm signed the centre half, haven't they? Young, but I don't think they've even got that. They've signed. No. Uh, is it Malencia? Is that his name? Oh, the the, the young lad are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Martinez. Yeah. Are you talking uh, about the wing back? Yeah. I'm just talking about all the players to oh, find yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. They basically signed two IX players. Um, I think that's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think I think if, if Liverpool fans want like reassurance that they're not going to be back, if you like, as it despite having a top coach, I still have zero faith in their recruitment. I think it's still horrendous, and their chase of Frankie De Jong, which is quite obviously. Well, it looks obvious, at least, that it's not going to happen. Hmm. He wants to go everywhere but Manchester. It just, uh, for me, they need that play. They need that kind of centre mid, um, you know, defensive minded centre mid who can aid the ball progression from the back and things like that. They just aren't very good at recruitment. And, and you, you hear for weeks and weeks and weeks that they're interested in the player before the player signs. I watched the overlap last night and Gary Neville actually touched on. The last few major signs United have made, like Sancho, Maguire, maybe um, De Jong fits into this bracket now. Do you drag out for so long that by the time the player joins, the, the excitement's gone? Mm-hmm. So uh, I think United, just recruitment-wise, behind the scenes, what they will surround Ten Hag with is not is nowhere near the level that Liverpool have and, and City. So Another I think example Ten Hag... By the way, what? sorry, uh, Anthony Ajax. That one's been going on for about three months as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think regardless of how good of a coach Ten Hag is, it, it, his work will probably still only take them to like a top four place. But to, mm. to, to actually win a title, especially over Klopp and Pep, you need more than that. You need, your recruitment yeah. has to be spot on, and I don't think United's ever will. I, I also forgot about Ericsson that Tom producers just flagged for forgot they bought Ericsson. Ericsson, um, yeah, that that must have been the attacker that I thought I was missing in my head. Yeah. Um, he's probably gonna play deeper. Yeah. No, the um I, I think what's happening there as well is uh, so for, for example, Martinez that they signed, I, I think the whoever does the recruitment at United wants a Torres from Villarreal and he's insisted on Martinez instead. Um so now you kind of think well, it's not maybe maybe it has to be like this for them to improve, but it's not very aligned over there at the moment in terms of the recruitment. It's kind of feels like maybe they are targets and Ten Hag saying, "No, I don't trust you. I want want my own players," which it might work in the long run, but it just isn't great, is it really? One thing I did want to ask you actually on the back of that is your take on a five foot nine centre mm-hmm. half. What are you saying? Um. I mean, it's not great, really. It's something you want to avoid. Ironically, I know it's in a different division, but his, uh, his aerial uh, success rate was really, was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last that, season. yeah. But that's sure to be tested uh, in the Premier League. You know, it's a completely different kettle of fish. So, uh, I just think I, it's going to be... I wouldn't, I wouldn't look to do that myself. No, I wouldn't. I think it's going to yeah. be insistent to see him, for example, 1v1 up against someone like Nunes or someone yeah. like Haaland because not only are they beating them in the air physically height speed and behind like they've just got the edge on on, on, on him in so many areas 1v1 so it, he might be committed he might be decent in the air in the air of VC but I, I can't see how in certain games that's not really played upon by the very best Um, especially if you're playing a high pressing system which often results in aerial balls going long and stuff and you know Liverpool were undone by that a few times in the early years under Klopp yeah yeah it's going to be 
it could be a frailty. Um, I think they've just been that that desperate to get someone who's actually got a little bit of pace who can play a high line. Um, that is he quick? Yeah, I, I, yeah. How fast is he? Like, I, I mean, like I, I can't really No, I don't know if it's that much, but he's, he, he can definitely play in high line. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Your top scorer. Um, I struggled a little bit for this one. Um, I struggled for about three seconds. Oh, did, right. so no <laughs> and then just felt it was obvious. Well, I've actually obvious, got Sally, you know. Yeah, same. Oh, have you? Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, I think, you know, considering he's on penalties and he, he, he will play literally every single week. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, either side of the World Cup, which he's not playing in, He's gonna he's gonna have a decent amount of rest between both ends of the season. Nunes and Haaland probably won't play every game, so I wouldn't be surprised if it was just Salah again. I did think Kane. No, I thought Kane might come back and maybe push him hard. But I know so it's being changed. Do you think Kane then will get more goals than Son this season? Uh, I don't know because Kane's still kind of playing a little bit like a hybrid role. But yeah. um, I don't know. I just feel like he will. I just feel like he's going to score. I feel like they're going to be a little bit more creative and and maybe he'll be a little bit more selfish this year. Just a prediction. Is he in your team? No, he isn't. It's not going to carry away. These are the crucial questions, mate. Yeah. No, he isn't at the moment, but the final draft is not done, so maybe. Maybe he sneaks in. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was a relatively easy one, top scorer. I think it's... If it's not going to be Salah, he's certainly going to be up there. Um, yeah. But one of a more, a bit of a more interesting question, which you, I suppose you could go anywhere with this, and you could say a particular way as well. Breakthrough star of the mm. season. Yeah. I'm not really sure what this means to you, but you know, I just interpreted it my own way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's that that that's quite a wide remit that one, isn't it? Um. Yeah. So I I, I didn't really know how deep to go with it, but I thought while we're on the show, um. I think Cavahalo could have a really good campaign for Liverpool. I think he would end up being quite a key player at the end of the campaign. And I was only yeah. 19. People are kind of looking at him to be something more long-term. But um, I don't know. I really like him. thought he done really well in the Championship this year, uh, last year. I think I was a little bit concerned. Not concerned. I just thought, how is he going to actually come into the sides? Because he's played you know, exclusively number 10 for most of his short career. But... He looked all right as a number eight, looked quite good. And I think he brings something different to the team. So uh, maybe he plays as a 10 or he plays as an eight, but I think he plays a little bit more than people expect and probably has a really good season. Yeah, so I, I've got three down for this. Um, but the different kinds of break, breakthroughs, I suppose. So one player I'm really intrigued to see, and I think he could do well if he gets enough opportunities, is William Saliba at Arsenal. Uh, I've been a fan of him for a while. I remember when Arsenal first signed him, I looked into him when he was playing for, I think it was St. Etienne. And like looked really good. He's been alone, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. I thought he was he was gone because apparently he didn't get on with Arteta or something like that. But he's now actually been integrated back in. He's played pre-season, certain games. I'm not sure how he plays because Ben White and Gabriel uh, seem to be the, the established two and they play virtually every week. But if Saliba can get in, he is currently, when I looked at him, he was very young. He's now, yeah, he's still only 21, but I think he's about six foot three, pretty quick. Um, 
just a good centre half, and and I think people will be quite impressed with him if he has, if he plays. He got there. Um, I'm sure he was in league and team of the year last season. Yeah, he is a, a, a top prospect. I've I've mentioned him to Guy a few times because Guy is obviously an Arsenal fan. Um, yeah. Guy's never been able to get his head around why he doesn't play, but I've always <laughs> said to Guy like he's he looks like a big prospect to me. Uh, I'm also intrigued to see Levi Colwell. Uh, potentially going through Brighton on the back of the Cucurella deal. Centre-half who Chelsea supporters seem baffled that the club are willing to let him go. And Brighton notoriously very good for centre-halves. So I think he I think he could do well. And my Liverpool tip, it, it was going to be Carvalho, but then I thought, I'm going to I'm gonna go Harvey Elliott. I think he, he was doing really well last season starting Premier League matches against Chelsea, you know, and it got to a point where he obviously got injured, come out of the team, didn't really get back up to scratch, but he's played the full pre-season again, looks on it, can play in midfield, and if Liverpool move towards a 4 2 3 one he can play in a few areas further forward. And if you look at his passing numbers last season, although he barely played in the matches he did play, I think the only player he was averaging more progressive passes, paying 90 than Elliot was Thiago hmm. um, so he's obviously quite a progressive midfielder when he's on the pitch so if he stays injury free I think he could play quite a big role this season Elliot but uh, I feel like I've been saying that for a while it's just a matter of time before he just makes that leap in my opinion yeah yeah and does has a little bit more luck in terms of uh, in terms of not picking up injuries like last year yeah, and considering you can now make five substitutes every week, he's probably going to get on a pitch a fair bit, not just as a starter, but as a substitute. Mm, yeah. Um, overachievers. Uh, let's see who I went with this. Uh, uh, just mentioned them then, but um, I've gone with Brighton because, I mean, I don't know I, 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 what what your class is overachieving, overachieving for them. They did finish 10th last season, but they have been... St- you know, for all the, uh, I feel like a lot of us were trying to fl- fly the flag for uh, Graham Potter over the last two years, and you know, people were pointing to the league table saying, "Well, you know, his team are th- finishing, what was it like, fourteen, fifteen, something like that." They can't be that good, but you know, they obviously uh, steadily improved again. Finished tenth last season, and I expect them to, to you know, break into the the top top eight, top seven this year. I think they can't be that good. Uh, are, are you um, a tiny bit weirded out by their lack of incomings? Not, not at the moment. I'm not. No, I think the, um, the, for example, they have been linked with players, and I do expect them to do some business between now and when the window shuts. Um, I suspect they just haven't got the deals over the line. If it was another, another club, maybe I'd be a bit like, Oof, but I just think. Uh, Brighton have earned a lot of trust because they've done such such good yeah. stuff over the last few years that I don't anticipate that the they're going into it are uh, short. There must just be other reasons why they, they haven't, you know, brought in more targets. But I do expect that team to be strengthened a little. No, I agree, yeah. But I think just looking at the team, they've lost Basuma, haven't replaced them. Seems to be losing Kukadella, who's quite a big player. But then again, if they get Colwell in is it looks like a good signing, and I saw them linked with Angelino as a potential replacement for Cucurella, mm-hmm. which I think would be a great move from yeah. Leipzig. I think that would be a great, great replacement. So, yeah, I agree. A lot of trust in Brighton. But my shout was uh, 
Crystal Palace. So last season, they drifted under the radar for me. I, I thought Palace had a really good first season under a new coach. I thought Vieira just took what Hodgson had done and just really fine-tuned it and made it a bit more efficient and a bit more uh, repeatable almost. And the business that they've done over the past two seasons, two summers, has been really good. They've just got in Schick Decore from a lens, solid midfielder, you know, progressive, good carrier. So he, he looks like a good addition. Chris Richards from Bayern Munich, Sam Johnson on a free goalkeeper from, from West Brom. No issues with any of them transfers at all. And um, Ebenet Chiesa is now back fit. And if you look at last season, uh, I'm going to get it up now while I'm speaking. So we, we obviously look at the expected numbers a little bit more than the um, actual numbers. People say the table does never lie. The table absolutely lies all the time. If you look at the expected points, which has its flaws, but if you just look at that for a gauge, you have City top, Liverpool second, Chelsea third, Spurs fourth, Arsenal fifth. That's exactly how the table played out. Sixth, Crystal Palace, uh, according to expected points last season. And usually when you see things like that, the following season, if the team performs in the same way, they could finish a little bit closer to that, closer to what I, they deserve, you could maybe say. So uh, yeah. they're my tip, because I'm really intrigued to see if Vera can keep that going. Hmm. I do like Palace. No, I sort so the thought the started really well last season considering they had a, a tough run of fixtures and yeah they continue to do so i think Selhurst park tough place to go someone starts there this weekend actually at arsenal i was gonna say then arsenal have got them first game and everyone's expecting that to be a shoe-in for arsenal hmm. if palace gets something there arsenal will get hammered by the press and things like that but that that's a tough game that first game away in the night at yeah. palace that's that's a tough first game yeah, it is. I agree. Um, so it'll be interesting, but I think they'll have another good season. Um, I don't know where they're going to finish, but no, I, I don't. I think be another that maybe push a top eight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, underachievers. I am going with uh, Leicester City. I know they they kind of underachieved a little bit this season, so maybe I'm cheating a little bit there. But uh, yeah, just I think. There were signs of it going a little bit sour for periods last season under Rodgers. Um, I thought Kasper Schmeichel is, is a, was a very kind of... I, I, I get it in one, on one hand that why he's moved because he's been there 11 years, but uh, it also felt a bit strange that he moved. And I just think, think like there's, there's a lot of change going on at that club. And I don't know, maybe I'll get my eye wiped on that and they'll bounce back. They had a lot of problems with injuries last season. You know, key players will be back this year, but... I've just got a feeling that uh, they might not have another good campaign. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Yeah, I, I'm curious about Leicester myself. The only kind of bit of hope that I've got for them is they don't have Europe this season mm -hmm. for the first time in a few years. And Rodgers in particular tends to do fairly well when that's the case. Yeah. You know, obviously Liverpool fans will remember that season where we had no Europe and we finished second uh, with Sterling, Suarez and players like that. So maybe that will benefit them. But 
yeah, I'm curious to see how Leicester get on for the rest of the market, really. The mm-hmm. rest of the window. My underachievers are Wolves. Um, little bit concerned for them this season. If you look at their transfer business, it's not especially great. Um, I'm just going to get it up now. So at the minute, they have signed basically Nathan Collins from Burnley for 20 million, and that's pretty much it. They've also bought Huang on a permanent basis, but he was already there on loan. Uh, Raul Jimenez is missing the start of the season due to injury. Um, I think they're getting linked with selling Morgan Gibbs-White, who is one of their prospects, had a good season on loan last year, and they don't, I'm not sure if they're going to keep him. Um, and if you look at, again, similar to Palace before, if you look at the expected points of Wolves last season, I'm not sure where they ended up finishing in the table, but according to expected points, they finished one spot above the relegation zone, seventeenth uh, in the table. According to expected points, obviously they struggled for goals and things like that. They've got Neto back, which could be a, a big positive for them. But just generally, considering what everyone else is doing, I just think Wolves might go a little bit cold this season. Yeah, I think Wolves are a little bit of a coin toss team, aren't they? Um, and what seems to be really significant for them in terms of uh, winning football matches because of that thing that you touched on about the, maybe the lack of options in attackers, um, scoring goals. You know, if they, if they score first, sorry, scoring first, that's significant for them. If they do that, they tend to do really well. Um, you know, normally hold on. I think they had one of the best records last season in terms of first goals leading to victories but uh, she on the other foot when you concede first doesn't really go to plan and I think that maybe leads in a little bit to to why they're quite low on the expected numbers as well you know taking the lead and then kind of sitting and going a little bit more defensive they seem to do quite well at shutting teams out but as I said it, See, it, go on I was going to say don't, don't, I agree but the only thing with that was um, Saar and goal really overperformed his numbers. Uh, I think he he was one of the, the top performers in the league in Europe, really, when it comes to overperforming his XG. And may, it might mean he's a great goalkeeper, but it, it, he might just have had a great season. Um, yeah. And if, if chances would have went in as expected, they maybe would have conceded about 10 goals more than he actually did. That could... Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm leading towards, really. I was just about to say, so, you know... The tactic of kind of scoring them, being happy to, to, to defend them and, and being confident that you shut teams out, it can work because it worked over 38 games to an extent last season. But I think if you looked at their campaign and results near the end of the season, it did, it, it did tail off a fair bit. You know, they were really in with the shout of a kind of top five finish and it tailed off. I think that could be a reason why. Um, I just, I, I think you've got to have more than one way of winning football matches. As I said, if you're too reliant on scoring first and kind of defending. You talked about the keeper having Saar kind of keeping teams out. Um, I just I don't think that's going to be a recipe for long-term success. So it will be interesting to see if they can replicate that this season or if it if it kind of comes undone a little bit more. So this will be interesting. So bottom yeah. three, who gets relegated? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before you ask, I've left them out, but I'm not confident. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was I've, just, I've, uh, 
I've got to see the weakness, but mate, they, they, they're there. If we were doing a bottom five, they'd be in the bottom five again, definitely. But <laughs> I've gone with um I, I I'm I'm almost certain that our bottom three will be different. I've gone with Fulham, Brentford, and Southampton. Okay, that is interesting, yeah. Mm, I mean, I'll just quickly explain. I think Fulham uh, will go down just because the I think the way they play, I don't think it. I don't think teams who dominate tend to translate that kind of championship way of playing and, and succeed when they come to the Premier League. I think Norwich City are a really good example, as are Fulham. You know, Fulham. I do like Fulham, but. Uh, I just think they'll str- struggle a little bit. I haven't paid too much attention to the business in the market. Maybe they've done some good stuff, but from what I can see, I don't think they have. Um, I think Forest will be a little bit more um, savvy and, and find a way to stay up. I think they'll have that kind of new, 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 new team bounce, I guess, in the Premier League. Um, can't can't think of who else has come up. Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Yeah. Okay. I think mm, Bournemouth maybe could be in, in and around it, but. Yeah, I just think Brentford's these two teams in particular, Brentford and Southampton. I think they really kind of. If there was another five or six games left of the last campaign, I think they could have been sucked into it. Um, and I think it's gone really stale at Southampton. Am I right in saying Hazel Hoon's in in his final year of his deal this season? Uh, I'm not sure about that actually. I'll check that while we're talking, but I think he's coming. I'm sure he is. Got one deal, one year left. Doesn't want to extend, um, and I think maybe for in, in the case of Brentford, it just catches up with them a little bit. Yeah. Uh, for me, I've got Fulham, Bournemouth. I feel like pretty confident about both of them. But the third team, you could honestly flip a coin between Leeds, Everton. Wolves and Southampton for me. Mm. I, I I can't really determine who it's who it's going to be. I think Leeds have done business that will suit Jesse Marsh this summer. They've got in a few high energy players, um, you know, with Salzburg backgrounds and and think Red Bull backgrounds and things like that. So Bamford should be back fit, but they've lost Rafinha at the same time. So I think Leeds. I don't know. It's a difficult one with Leeds. Saints, I agree. Gone a bit stale. Looking at the team, looks a bit. Just looks bang average, doesn't it? I mean, they've mm. got James Ward Prowse and Kyle Walker pieces. Maybe that, that's kind of it, really. They had Brozier on loan last season. He's gone back. So, yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in Southampton. Wolves, for reasons I've just touched on. And Everton, I, I don't have any faith in Frank Lampard, if I'm honest. Um, especially when it comes to coaching the defence and and the recruitment this summer hasn't strengthened any of that Um, you know getting linked with is it Anana from from Lille yeah that would be I think a a decent deal but as as of right now that that deal hasn't gone through it's just um, who's been signed again top of of your head Uh, Tarkowski's come in Um, Dwight McNeil um, yeah. Okay. And that's that's it. Yeah, and you've lost for Charleston as well. Yeah. So, I mean, the attack looks really bad. Like, I mean, the, nowhere looks good. By the way, but... see, see that that's the issue. If if you look at that right, the attack looks really bad, and you've lost your top goal scorer and your second mm-hmm. top goal scorer is injured all the time. 
and you've got Frank Lampard coaching your defence. Mm. It's a recipe for disaster, but um, th- there's some individual quality still in there, and there's the opportunity mid-season for Everton to get a new coach. So it's not you know fixed with Lampard all season. Um, but I don't know. It's a little bit ominous that one for me. I think. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a guaranteed bottom five finish. It's just where. Maybe they need a little bit more luck. I think if they, if they can get better defending set pieces, then maybe you'll save a few points there. Um, if they, just the window's still open, if they can maybe add one or two, I do expect one or two more to come in. Um, then, yeah, but they just look bad. They look really bad. <laughs> um, signing of the season. This is, this is where we close off, by the way. This is the last uh, one. You go first, because I can't find my page. So I've, I've noted, okay. again, I've noticed three players down for this. So I think two of them are obvious for me. Gabriel Jesus is an obvious one. I think 25-year-old Premier League winner, been coached by Guardiola since he arrived in England, which is never a bad thing. Scored, I think, seven goals in pre-season for Arsenal, so he looks like he's going to be firing intense. <clears throat> um always plays good in big games, really works out defensively. So, overall, I think Jesus is an absolute no-brainer sign. Um, I also want to throw Decore in there for Palace, who I mentioned before. I think he's going to be a good sign for 20 million. And, again, Raheem Sterling, I think, is an obvious one. Um, really established Premier League player. I think he's I think he's superb still. I think he's going to be a bit more of a main man at Chelsea. I think he benefits from that. And, you're getting them for about 50 million, which I think is probably about right. Um, so I think Sterling's going to be a top sign as well. So th- those three, I think, could could have really good campaigns. Yeah, so I'd actually just put the one, it was Jesus, um, for the reasons you've just said, although I will give a nod to Zinchenko. I think he could also be a, uh, <clears throat> a kind of player who, who finds another level, being a more consistent starter. Um I think he, he legitimately is versatile. I know you hear that said about a lot of players, but <laughs> I do think he can play different roles really well um, and gives Arsenal something because, you know, that left-back actually was, I think it was overlooked because of the situation with the forwards at Arsenal. You know, the fact that they had Bamiyan gone, Lacazette gone, uh, wanted to kind of have someone more reliable in attack. But at left-back, it, 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 it was a big issue as well because... Tavares didn't look good last season, in my opinion. They had Tierney, who is a, obviously a good player, but he's probably maybe a little bit better. Shows up a little bit better in the back three, and not just that, he's never fit. He's literally never fit. So that was that was a big issue for them last season. Uh, I think Jinchenko, although we all want to play more centrally, I think he does improve them in that area. Yeah, I agree. I think Zinchenko's not a good show. Similar reasons as Jesus, really. You know, you're getting a really established performer. He's always there and uh, it addresses not only Arsenal's midfield void sometimes, at, you know, when needed. But as you said, Kintan, he's not always there. So, yeah, Arsenal seems to watch this season, I suppose. Mm. But, Dave, it's been good to have you back, mate. Yeah, thank you, mate. It's good to be back. We will see you again, sadly, in a month. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, we'll see how it pans out, maybe before, but at latest a month, yeah. Yeah. Um, Liverpool will have played a few Premier League games by then. We'll see how the season's looking. 
But I suppose it will give us an opportunity to every now and then just kind of take stock, basically, with Dave on board. Um, so, yeah, Dave, thanks for joining us, mate, and thanks for tuning in this week. I will be back next week, so do tune in, and we will see you then. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.